Welcome to the Finding Backcountry Podcast with your host, Dustin Whitwer. I am Dustin Whitwer, and this is the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Finding Backcountry podcast where you will hear no sponsorships, only legitimately what we consider to be valuable information and none of the fluff. Uh, you may hear a plug every once in a while for our, uh, our own business, but we've decided to keep this sponsor free. <clears throat> so with that being said, um, here's the situation. I am going pretty busy at work right now. We're in the middle of trade shows. So we're traveling a lot back and forth. And then when I am in the office, you know, half the time we're, on a skeleton crew you know two of us instead of four or five of us because the other ones are at trade shows or doing whatever so it's just you know it can be busy time of year for me but i gotta get podcasts out and more importantly um i wanted to rip off a wyoming elk specific podcast before the deadline here there's a few key changes, nothing nothing too crazy yet, I don't think, with elk. Most of it's with moose, sheep, goat, all that once-in-a-lifetime type stuff. But I wanted to, you know, get a bunch of information out there on the elk. Uh, you know, and this won't be as much unit-specific. I'll definitely dive in at the end <clears throat> if I have time you know, into some of the units that I know really well in, up in this area now and um, throughout the state, but it'll be more just general informational to help you navigate through the the application process. So that being said, um, I am, if you can't tell, I'm driving because sometimes when you're, you know, working a eight to five and you run your own podcast, the only time that you have let me back up and be honest. The only time that I allocate is this time. You know, there's pl- I have plenty of time in the evenings, but you know, when you're you and your wife both work, and you know, you get home sometimes. You know, you do some shopping on a Monday or something. You get home at six six thirty. Uh, we have about a forty five minute commute to where we live to where we work, and I'll be honest, like. I just put family first and I'm not going to sit and rip a podcast for, you know, an hour, hour and a half every night um, when my wife's there and we can hang out. So here I am driving into work and I really like to use this time to, you know, listen to books or really good podcasts or, you know, I do some of my uh, scripture study lesson preparation type stuff for my church calling in the mornings and it's it's i quite enjoy the drive but today i'm gonna enjoy it because we're gonna talk elk on the way into work it's about 40 40 minutes or so and when i first popped the sd card in that i thought i had full or open was 
there was 28 minutes left and now it's saying 53. Um, <laughs> so it'll either be a 28 minute podcast or it'll be a full 40, 45 minutes. Uh, Wyoming, Wyoming in, in general, I put down some of these changes, um, so I could go over these and keep in mind, there are like three or four different application dates, depending on what species you're applying for. Um, the first one coming up is just elk for non-residents. So there's nothing else to really panic over in Wyoming right now. And, and there's not even anything to panic with elk and I'll explain why later. But the first application that's due right now, hey, the other part of this is I go into the work early. I go into the gym. And uh, so if you hear me sipping on my, this could actually work well because I go into the gym in the mornings at work. We have a pretty good setup at work. And I have a setup at home, but listen, there's two types of people. You either can motivate yourself to go hardcore at your home gym and you know you can do that every single day or I actually am the opposite I prefer to force myself to go into a gym because you know at home it's like I just can distract myself I mean half the time I'll get going working out you know first couple sets whatever and then something oh I gotta get that done yeah yeah you don't want to forget that and so I go, I'm in my hunting room all of a sudden, and I'm, you know, pulling something AR part of AR build apart, and I'm throwing it in my pack to take to work. And then I'm like, oh, and while I'm, do, you know, and then, and then next thing I know, you know, 58 minutes goes by and I, I'm, uh, I'm done. I, you know, I haven't even worked out and I'm sidetracked. I'm doing another project or whatever. So anyway, this works well for me. I blitz into work, you know, just wake up, blitz in. Um, work out at the gym there the equipment's way better a lot more full complete gym but and this should work well for podcasts because you know I'll get chatty I'll get super tuned up on my pre-workout <laughs> the other thing I do is I munch on my my bar here so if you uh you know excuse me I'm gonna try to take a bite I've heard you know Snyder for example he'll throw a dip in while he's yeah i can tell you that's not gonna work this is what you get with a free podcast people i'm gonna have to get through it all right excuse me while i chew my food may have my podcast guy edit that out all right so <clears throat> application deadline coming up for elk there's really nothing else that's um i don't know there's nothing else that's really coming up soon um april 17th would be the next deadline and that's moose sheep goat I think bison's on its own deadline, and then deer and antelope, I know it was later, like May. And so, <clears throat> I don't know, they structure it weird. It used to be nice because they would, they would force you to apply for elk early in January, 
just like this but then the results would be the results would come out like february end of february and so yeah it was always one you had to commit too early but it's like you could get it out of the way before almost i remember we used to you know i had a few non-resident points even before i moved up here for elk and i would apply every single year the results would come out by the end of february utah apps weren't due to like march 4th or something like that and so you know it was nice because you could play that game well now the results for elk won't come until clear into may even though the deadline coming up is january and and they have their reasons for doing that but also utah moved their if we're talking those two examples utah moved their application date back as well so that just doesn't work at all anymore for you utah non-resident wyoming guys but regardless um so they have gone to a in these are general changes non-resident sheep moose and goat bison 10 percent non-resident split <laughs> yeah i know you're not happy about that um i can feel the the your frothy boiling over uh anger through the podcast but listen it just it just is what it is they i don't know um 25 percent that they were already given for sheep and probably around 20 percent for the others was already very very generous um so you could look at it that way but I don't know you know it's it's one of those things like of course of course if i wasn't living here i would hate it and i'm living here and i don't like i just you just kind of sit back and you know it's like what am i gonna do uh you know vote against you know and as soon as i move i'll be like ah freaking wyoming you know they don't so i don't know it's one of those things you know um uh moose sheep goat deadline april 17th we talked about that so that's you know you should be able to see their their kind of final recommendations for permits before you apply at that point right the state will do their winter uh you know their winter counts and uh mortality and stuff through the winter which we'll see up here there's some parts of the state that are getting absolutely buried with snow again um, I know like down by Lander, Riverton, especially, it really hasn't been too bad up here. The absolute northwest part of the state, up where I'm at uh, in near Cody, it just seems like a good winter year. It doesn't seem horrible. You know, we've had one nasty cold, uh, cold, like I'm talking high of negative, t- you know, two, negative 10, negative eight for a few days a week or whatever um and we looks like we've got one more coming before the end of the month i think but the snow has been probably just right on par with where it should be so up here but down up here doesn't matter especially not for deer Um, the elk don't freaking care and doesn't affect them much obviously the the calves in the spring maybe but that's nothing to do with the snow that's dropping right now but you know down kind of more south and central uh from where i'm at or uh, west I, I should say 
the mule deer get hammered right and that that country from Riverton Lander up over South Pass all the way down through you know Dubois and Labarge and all the way down Kemmerer and all that where they winter um, is fragile right now so anyway got sidetracked on permit numbers uh, they are moving to a weighted bonus point type structure and this is to offset in my opinion this is kind of to offset the fact that they're giving out less non-resident tags because here's the problem right is even on a 25% split or sorry when you leave a 25% split for the non-residents on uh, like sheep for example a lot of these hunts might not even offer up four permits right and now in order for a non-resident to even have it one tag they would have to offer 10 if they go to 10% right which they did and so there will be very few many many less that could even guarantee that they draw in a preference point let alone in a preference point system right let alone keep up with you know the influx of the wave of point holders in that like 15 16 17 18 point range that are coming and so i am all in favor of this and the people who squawked and squealed about it were of course two groups the people who had a crap ton of points right because if you're the if you're the guy sitting at the meeting with 28 or you know i guess that's a little high but 20 21 22 23 24 if you're in that 20 plus range of points you are freaking livid right because you were almost there so to speak you were almost to the tipping point now they did leave a four-year i believe they're doing a four-year um lag with the old system to give those guys the best chance they have of jumping in and drawing their tag and forcing the draw with a preference point before it switches over to a bonus point um but that group was obviously mad. Now, that ain't a very big number, but that's that's an angry group, right? I mean, they're, they would not be happy. If I was in that 17, 18, 19 point range especially, and I was told that that's the biggest influx, like that is a like a tidal wave relative to the amount of people in front of them. The other group, of course, that was mad is the outfitters. And here's my two cents on that. I couldn't give a crap less about what the outfitters are, are complaining about because it's purely selfish to them. It always is. <clears throat> All that they care about is their business. And I hate to say this because I've outfitted, I am an outfitter from time to time <clears throat> over the years. My brother still outfits. Um, and so I understand that there's a need for it and that these people have a right to make money and all that. But when you show up to these meetings with your pitchforks and your flames and trying to affect how wildlife are managed or how tags are allocated or how any decision is made because it's your little business, I have a problem with that because this isn't this isn't like the stock market. This isn't business, right? This is a, this is a, for 99.99% of people who hunt, this is a recreation, a passion, a pastime, a family tradition, or whatever you want to call it, that isn't anything to do with, with money. 
and you're sitting there and whatever, right? You have every prerogative, every right to go in and run your outfitting business. Of course, I'm not saying that, but when your decisions are relatively selfish, saying that, hey, you know, we can't switch to this system because our, you know, our clients aren't going to be able to know when they can draw. Well, that has nothing to do with anything, right? That's just your business might or might not be in a better situation, you know, or we need to allocate more non-resident tags here. Like, again, it's not that what they're asking for is right or wrong. It's just the motive. Um, <clears throat> and until someone convinces me that the outfitters, you know, have more than just their best interest in, in mind, um, like I just haven't seen or heard or been impressed with any of the reasoning of the outfitters. They're always there for their selfish interests, not what's necessarily best for, you know, the hunters in general or the state or the animals. So that's my little rant on that. But <clears throat> so weighted bonus point. This is what I saw in Nevada. This is what I grew up with. I, I really like it. Um, it gives, you know, it, it, you know, giveth and taketh away, right? It, it takes away from the guys who have the most points being guaranteed a tag. And that can hurt sometimes when you are at or near what's max points and you jump in, not jump in, but you enter the draw and that year, all of a sudden you still don't draw because there's never a guarantee you're going to be pissed. On the flip side, you look and there'll be someone with three points or 13 points or seven points or no points technically, right? That just jumps in for the first time. I guarantee you those stories will happen and they do sometimes of the 12 year old kid who jumped in and they've never applied or, you know, the wife that doesn't hunt and the husband applied her and they can't believe it, but she drew a once in a lifetime sheep tag. That's gonna happen in a weighted bonus point system. And frankly, that's the reason that they're switching to it is because with the preference, if they cut the tag and, and this isn't just remember the, the 90, 10 split and the, and the allocations, you know, I kind of hinted earlier that maybe that was to offset, um, that the weighted bonus point was to offset that. Well, not with, not with the residents, right? The residents only got more tags. And so, um, these are these are kind of two separate things right i kind of mis misconstrued that like the the weighted bonus point the whole idea behind that is to keep people with you know low number of points currently or people jumping into the system um motivated or interested at all in applying because if you're 12 years old or, you know, 18 or whatever age that you jump in and you have zero points and you look at the situation of the preference point where there was, there's so many, you know, they ran all the modeling, right? They run all the modeling and there's just no possible way for everyone. I mean, it's just going to back up, right? It's like, you know, trying to you know, fit a herd of elephants through a, a mouse hole. Like it's just, <laughs> there's just, it's not going to, no one's not going to draw, right? No one's going to get a tag. So at least in a weighted bonus point, you have a chance. And so that alone is, you know, some motivation for people to jump in, I guess. Now, you know, would I start applying right now for moose, sheep, goat, bison, if, especially if I was a non-resident, if I haven't been already, 
Probably not. To be honest, I probably would not, unless you think you're going to move to Wyoming someday, because I think some of those, the ones that have points, um, will trans sheep and moose would transfer over or yeah, sheep and moose. Yeah. Um, would I keep applying if I already had points for any of those? Yeah, I would. And I have, right. I've, I've, I've jumped into states where I thought I was going to draw with eight or nine points for a moose tag. And all of a sudden it's, you know, 18 or 19 and 20 and every single year it jumps back. And guess what? You know, you, you just stay in it and hope that, you know, numbers of animals jump up in the future or whatever. But for me, it's like, if it's something that I want, if it's a hunt I want someday, and I already have invested two, three, five, seven years of points or whatever, I'm, I'm in it. Like, I don't care. Right. As long as I can afford it, I'm sticking with it. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. And then they, they moved, uh, they, they changed the type one and two sheep and the type one moose to a once in a lifetime permit and it wasn't before and i am all in favor of that to me that's the first and foremost the most obvious when you got people backed up trying to draw tags like this and they're these these insanely you know special type tags like a bighorn sheep like it should be once in a lifetime no questions asked like that's the best decision they've made goat and bison have no points um so tags are just kind of issued randomly um, elk, I think we're on elk, uh, real quick points only option in Wyoming. If you just want to build your points and not jump in the draw, I don't recommend it unless you just flat out can't hunt that year or have so many other tags that you know, you're going to draw, uh, then the points only option, you can just buy them. In fact, you have to buy them most of the time. If you just apply, you're not in Wyoming, you're not necessarily earning a bonus point. Um, you know, that's maybe for a later topic, but you basically have to buy your points um, if you're not successful in the draw between July and October online. And group apps for everything except moose, sheep, goat, and you can do up to six. Elk. Wyoming elk in general must apply for state. If you are an elk person, it is a must apply for species in Wyoming. Uh, when you apply your apps for elk uh, and everything, I think first choice apps are considered before any second choice. So in other words, and I love this, uh, one, one negative to Nevada is they give you five choices and they consider every single one, all five choices before they move on to the next application. That is like that's like five, five Xing the number of people who are applying. Think about that. When they hit a person's number, they don't just look at his first choice. They look at, they consider and will award all five choices. And so it's like five Xing the number of applications that are in the, in the draw, right? On top of the bonus point weighted bonus point that Nevada already has. And so it, screws the odds of things so crazy because you know it allows people to all put the let's say the top three hunts in the best three units for their first three choices or first four choices four choices and then let's be honest like if they drew this one other tag as their fifth choice they would still kind of take it and be happy because um, nevada elk tags for example don't come along very often <clears throat> um but 
all those other four choices are still muddy in the water and pushing the odds back for people who, you know, that's all that they want or whatever, right? And it's not a right or wrong. You don't have to choose, you know, I, I don't care what you want or don't want, but I just think people should have to make it count these days with their first choice, their first and only choice. If there's leftovers after that, that's when we roll around to the second choices, and that's exactly how Wyoming does it. So all first choice apps considered before any second choice apps make the first one count. Uh, we talked about non-resident apps being due January 31st. Results are up like mid-May. Here's the key. You can modify or delete your app until like the first week in May. So what that means is, yes, you have to commit to and apply by the end of January. <clears throat> but... As long as you do, you can go in and you can edit your choice. You can edit your hunt unit. You can, I think, change anything and everything as long as you understand that if you, there's a regular and a special draw, and I'll talk about that, but you can't jump from regular to special or special back to regular. So what is special and regular? Uh, it's literally just you pay more money to go into the special draw. So if there's, you know, 20 non-resident elk tags um, <clears throat> set aside for a certain hunt 40% um, of those are going to go into the special draw right so that would be eight tags will go into the special and the other um, 16 right or uh, yes 12 12 I'm good at math I promise anyway whatever it is they're going to go into the regular draw. It's literally just a pay to play. So you're paying to jump into that special draw where we assume that the draw odds would be better because people don't want to spend as much money. And typically the special draw will be in general, it will be a little bit better. If the regular draw takes four points, the special draw might take three or one less or something. There's typically better odds but not always the case. And, and here's why, um, the 40, 60 split, I guess, you know, they could maybe allocate more to the special if they wanted the odds to be better. But really what I think they need to do is they need to the right now it's like 600. I want to say, and there's, there are some price increases. I didn't. So one thing I didn't write down was the prices of the non-resident tags here. You'll have to research where the permit prices are at. Cause they're, they're going up. Um, but let's just say for the sake, let's say it's 700 bucks for the regular-ish and it's 1400 for the special. Frankly, I think that the special should be more like three times or four times more. And, and people, you know, are gonna, oh, you know, that's making it a rich man's game or, you know, that's not, well, that's what the regular draws for. <clears throat> what we've learned is that there's really no ceiling on the amount of money that some people will pay and apply for these these type of really good tags in the West, and it's one of the only ways to get better draw odds. And I know that sounds like, oh, you know, the greedy state wildlife department just wants more money or whatever. I don't know, but it's like, don't you want, if you're gonna pay more money, wouldn't you want there to actually be a way better chance of drawing? Because sometimes it's it's not, it's not even better. It might be worse. Right, because every year it fluctuates of who's going to jump in the special with how many points and who's going to jump in the regular with how many points. 
and kind of playing that cat mouse game and it's so close you know and and i've even applied there's been years where i go back and forth for oh this year i'm gonna pony up because i want to try and get better odds or force to draw you know and so maybe not three or four times but at least like yeah probably three times like i think that special tag should be 2500 bucks right and that will push more people into the regular and or make people commit to the special and give them more for their money right because right now you're just paying double and almost not getting much in most cases i mean a little bit better odds but anyway i've i'm gonna have speaking of pitchforks i'm gonna have pitchforks in my podcast uh, comments on this one i've had some heated i guess controversial opinions but um okay uh type type tags in wyoming you get the type one through nine right type one type two type three and what does it all mean it's really just variations of um different tags within the same unit right 45 type one 45 type nine um and i'm only going to talk about a few of them in general i think the type one the type two and the type nine in general are the like the bull tags type fours are usually antlerless there's six sevens and eights and i don't frankly even know the a lot of times they'll use those of like oh you know this type seven tag it's only a only valid within you know a half mile of irrigated land in other words it's a landowner's or this one's only valid in the wilderness right that's a common one it's a type two tag and that means you can only hunt in the wilderness or you know they just use that to differentiate different uh season dates and or um you know areas within the unit to hunt um but in general the like a type one is going to be the most common it's kind of the you know a lot of times it's the rifle but it's also the archery rifle unless that unit has like a dedicated type nine which type nines will be the archery tags okay so you know if you are just a bow hunter you could draw the type one if there's a type one and a type nine in that unit, you can you you can sometimes draw the type one and you can hunt the archery. And some, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> a lot of times in some units, it, I mean it's it's just all over the board because in some units, the only way to hunt archery is to draw the type one, and then hunt the archery version because there is no type nine. But in other units, there is no type one and there's only a type or there the type one does not include the archery. And there's only the type nine is the only way to bow hunt it. So they typically give the type niners the whole month of September. Um, whereas they might cut if, if, if they do overlap. And I want to say there's not very many that have a type nine dedicated and a type one that includes the archery. But if they did, like they might cut the type one archery off at September 15th and the type nine might get to hunt the whole month of September. You see where it's going. I mean, they just kind of use that as a dedicated archery thing. Typically, the odds will be much easier to draw a type nine because bow hunting's harder, right? And people, you know, especially like, yeah, you just, you know, if you can hunt them with a rifle, that's how most people like to hunt them. <clears throat> Season dates and all that, you know, can vary depending on the type one, type two. Um, some of the type twos are like a late you know which can be really really good and so you know you just have to do your research on what unit and what types you know the the one thing i like about the wyoming uh 
website, the wildlife website, is they actually do a really good job. If you just go to each unit and click on more info on it, they'll break down all the available type tags, you know, what the season structure is. You know, what it doesn't give you, obviously, is the real hard data without digging a level deeper, you know, to find what the actual draw odds are and all that. That's what, you know, services like Epic Outdoors are for. So, um, you know, their magazine will break down one level deeper of, hey, this is, you know, this is a easy to draw type two because it's basically private land only or, you know, half mile of irrigated land and you're probably not going to be able to hunt unless you know somebody you know that kind of stuff so um huge range of types of hunts for elk in wyoming everything from i mean you got back you got you know the back country with grizzlies right here looking at it as i'm driving into work right 30 minutes west of me here uh and a whole pile of you know the the 50s 51 55 uh, 59, 61, 62, 63, a little further south. Um, you know, the 53, the trout peak, the 50, uh, I already said the 54 up here, I think the two dot. So, uh, then you got the back country kind of without grizzly units. And that I would, I would consider, you know, the, the most highly sought after for elk, at least is the bighorns. Um, you know, where you're getting predominantly public land without grizzlies. Um, and, you know, there's still some big bulls that come out. And we'll kind of talk about the range of bulls that you can expect in Wyoming. But, um, you know, some really good hunts over here in the Bighorns, directly east of Cody. The 38s and 35s and 41 and 45, uh, off the top of my head, I know that's a few of them. All the way down to like complete open sagebrush, right? The 124s down south that are kind of border Utah and the Idaho side down way down in there. And I don't know those unit numbers real well. Um, then within those units, sometimes you'll have, oh, and then like uh, what I would consider kind of mountainous, like a lot of private, right? Like uh, unit seven's real popular. There's some of the unit 20s and stuff like that that are kind of the that south central portion of the state down by Casper maybe um, general general area there um, those get into some like hey you better check the public private breakup and the access and all that and there's some of this up here right like 54 with the two dot you know it's a really really good hunt but those elk will pile into the massive two dot ranch uh, especially, you know, as the, if the snow hits hard, um, that's kind of what you're after on that hunt. But then it also hits hard and those elk will pile onto the two dot where you can't go hunt. And so, um, you know, you just, you, this isn't the podcast to break that down or go into unit by unit by unit. But, you know, I'm trying to give you some general feels of where you may or may not, <clears throat> you know, if you, if you don't want to screw with grizzlies, um, most people don't then these units out here outside of cody don't even don't even look at them they're some of the best in the state and don't even consider them because you're going to deal with it uh the six the ones all the ones i mentioned 61 2 3 64 51 55 53 uh 54 53 54 55 59 any of these right here outside of cody you're going to deal with bears um so if that doesn't interest you, like it doesn't for most people, 
It's also why some of the odds are a little bit better, especially for the heavily wilderness areas. And we'll talk about that next. Um, another controversial thing in Wyoming is non-residents are not allowed to hunt the wilderness without either a hired guide or a resident like myself that signs off and is willing to take you into the wilderness. So that's obviously a big problem because, you know, maybe more than half of these units, for example, outside of Cody here, are covered with dedicated wilderness, um, designated wilderness. And so you can't hunt there. And that can be a problem. Some of the tags, uh, one that comes to mind, I think 63 has a wilderness only permit. The odds are awesome. Like relative to the, it's the type two, right? We talked about that earlier is wilderness only in 63. The odds are awesome. Well, that's because you can't just come DIY it unless you got a buddy up here that's going to take you hunting. Um, you're hiring a guide, right? So that alone whittles down some of the drawing. So you guys want to go, you know, anyone who was uh, a little bit, you know, maybe getting on me for my position on the outfitters who earlier, right? If you're on the side of, oh, those outfitters, you know, they're just trying to make a living. Guess who is behind keeping that wilderness designation from being eliminated in Wyoming. Guess who's keeping that in place? Yep, you guessed it. The The freaking outfitters will be the first people knocking on the door of the fishing game if they tried to eliminate that wilderness requirement for non-residents. Because why? Well, duh. You have to hire them to get in there. And so, that's a good example, right? Why is that? And everyone knows it's crap. Everyone knows that it's crap. I love it now that I live here. It's one of the, it's just like we said earlier. I freaking love it because who doesn't love, you know, it's almost like having your own a little bit of private land type deal, right? I mean, it's not. And so, but you can't go, you know, you can't go into the wilderness as a non-resident without a guide or a local. <clears throat> In general, um, I would say Wyoming is like a 320 to 350 type state. Uh, for bulls it is what i would consider a hybrid it's better than colorado in general quality's better and it's not as good as the nevada utah arizona type hunts right they hunt it too much uh, they give out too many permits for it to be quite that good i think it's got the potential if they wanted it to be but frankly they don't and i i like it how it is because it also doesn't every single unit doesn't take 20 points to draw right so um you know three 320 to 350 bulls on most of the decent units um there will be you know obviously a lot of variation within the specific units there'll be some that are you know maybe the over-the-counter general type stuff is you know 300 to 320 but um you know some of these units right here out of cody again you know usually have to have an outfitter to get in there but a lot of those um you know 360 370 type potential and so it just kind of it just kind of varies right um so better units 330 350 with you know some 360 370 do they kill 400 inch bulls in wyoming every year you betcha are they few and far between you betcha 
Um, I would not, you know, personally, I don't, I wouldn't. And even when I was a non-resident, I wouldn't jump into the Wyoming draws assuming or thinking that this is going to be where I'm going to get my 380 bull or 390 bull. Or, you know, if, if that's what you're after, it's probably not worth jumping in, honestly. Um, and if you are, and that's your goal, then you need to hold out for one of the absolute bomber, you know, the, uh, you know, the epic, there's some epic late hunts outside of Cody here that'll push some of those monster bulls out of the park, uh, with some late snowstorm and like November type hunts. Right. And those can be variable obviously, but it's also probably one of the best chances to, to, uh, you know, uh, come across a big, big bull. There's uh, like some of the sagebrush units, 124, I think is a good example where they're, they're, you wouldn't think it down in that country, but I'm telling you, some of those uh, sagebrush units hold big, big bulls too, like big bulls. Um, so you just need to, if you're after a monster bull, 370 plus type for, you know, your best chance, you need to hunt those big, big time units in Wyoming, a couple of those harder to draw units. So, um, uh, what else? General strategy, you know, hunt, I put here, hunt Wyoming more often rather than less, especially like you said, if you're after 320 to 340 type bulls, which most people are, uh, let's be honest, like most guys, you put a 336 point in front of them, hammer time, right? That's what they're really going to be happy with. And so if that's you hunt, definitely hunt more often. I mean, you know, that general tag now, maybe there, they do have a general tag in Wyoming. We haven't talked much about, um, it's kind of just the, you know, the fringe units, so to speak around these real premium ones where, you know, they've just decided this is where we're going to manage for quantity over quality, so to speak. But there are still some monster bulls that come out of the general tags. Now, a lot of those happen in wilderness, right? Down around Dubois, I can't remember the 67 maybe or something like that, you know, is a good example. Um, some of those, some of those big bulls will spill over from the other units, right? And frankly, it's, it's th that type of units, grizzly country, it's pretty nasty back country. Uh, and it borders some of the better units, uh, the thoroughfare unit 60, right? Look that up. It hugs the, the bottom, the Southeast corner of the park, clear into the hundred percent wilderness, hundred percent public land. Um, gonna hire a guide or come with a local. Uh, but some of the bigger bulls I think can come out of there, 340, 350, and some of the big bulls out of the park might spill in there, but, um, logistical nightmares and you really have to like you got to you know know what you're doing and know the logistics of getting in there so um in general elk hunting in wyoming's on the uptick that's the good news is they i've heard them use the word spilling over uh especially with like the bighorns spilling over with elk they're over objective in a lot of those units so uh, again, opportunistic guys can take advantage of that because you don't necessarily have to have the most premium tags. Almost every one of those units in the Bighorns, for example, I'm sure you can find a 320, 330 bull, and you can do it with quite little, quite little points. Um, we talked about the wilderness, non-wilderness, and that I guess about sums it up without going into any unit specific. 
Um, what else am I missing? Again, hunt hunt Wyoming elk as often as possible. If if you're an opportunistic person, um, if you're after monsters, you need to hang on. You know, I'm sure it's over 10, 12 type points for some of these decent units, and then even more for the premiums. Uh, consider a guide because you know if you don't mind going guided and you're going to kind of hunt that way anyway if you're someone who hires guides often then wyoming can be epic uh you can get into some really good bulls with outfitters in the right units do your research there but um yeah hopefully that helps hopefully that uh, gets you you know somewhat lined out on the draws coming up again I would say the most important thing if you want to be in the draw for elk is just get your app in and then you can you can literally just apply for the as far as I understand you can just apply for the general Wyoming elk hunt uh, by the end of the month and then you can modify change your you know go in and go from general to unit 61 back to general over to 45 type 1 type 9 I mean there's no real differentiation between which tag you can edit and modify clear up until may and so that that right there is just are you gonna do you want to have an app in wyoming yes or no okay all right now let's let the dust settle and i've got three four months to decide where and which unit and how i'm going to pull that off and where i want to leave my app when the dust settles so to speak so hopefully that helps i'm at work time to work out 11 minutes left on the SD card. So I guess it did have that many minutes, 40, 50 something actually. So <laughs> sorry for the eating at the beginning, but you know, like I said, I'm a one man band juggling a lot of uh, balls in the air, so to speak. So uh, backpack logistics, we have been, we had a heck of a year, um, first year really in operation and maybe you've seen or looked at it. It is where you need to be considered if you're going on like a spring bear hunt you need to check it out it's it's your one-stop shop no stress hassle-free um, don't have to worry about your backpack food you get on there you spec out your entire day if you want or if you're doing like a truck camp you know or a, a camper you know at the trailhead or something and you're going to have like an epic dinner that night that you've already like brought food in coolers then you can still just leave the dinner off and do your breakfast, lunch, and a whole bunch of snacks. The horse, the horse guys that, you know, hunt off horses and come back to a big wall tent camp have been doing that a lot. Um, uh, you know, so they just wake up in the morning, they throw their day's worth of food in, and, you know, then they come back for their dinner they've already prepared. So that's a really popular way to um, to use the system. But if you're like, you know, going four or five, six days of backpack hunting, then there's just, there's no other way to get your food any easier. It's, we've got all the best stuff in, you know, that we inventory and we'll be stocking up here, you know, real quick, uh, in the next month or two, we'll have, I mean, we've, we've still got, um, you know, everything in stock cause we have taken a few orders, but we'll really be ramping it up here for a spring bear hunt. So consider us give it a try and holler if you've got any questions we appreciate the support it's really the only sponsor or the only way to you know support the podcast so to speak is you know hey maybe i'll get on and order a couple two three days worth of food 
um, just to give it a try or uh, alleviate some stress or just support the podcast. It's that's uh, I'm the one who runs that business, my wife and I. So we appreciate it. I appreciate you listening. Um, try to jump on with, you know, some more upcoming application type stuff, obviously mix in some, you know, gear reviews and got a few, maybe a reloading podcast. We're going to, uh, record this week, me and my buddy here at work. And so got some stuff coming down the line. Let me know, please. If you've got, um, podcast suggestions, guests that you want me to get on, you know, I can come up with this stuff all day long. Trust me. Um, I have for a hundred and something episodes, but it's really nice when someone reaches out and is like, Hey, can you do a reloading podcast? Frick, perfect. Like I know the guy I'll get him. We'll, we'll get him on. We'll run down a beginner, uh, reloading podcast. And so it's nice when I get suggestions or recommendations from you guys. Cause I, that helps me know what you want or what you're going to really listen to. So till next time, good luck in the uh, upcoming draws this year. And let me know if you have any questions, uh, team backcountry at Gmail is the best email. And then you can always find me on social media, just at Dustin Whitwer or uh, finding.backcountry.podcast or at Team Backcountry on the Instagrams. That's uh, definitely the best place. I do not jump on Facebook very often. So, okay. See you guys. I'm going to go work out. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, Make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit FindingBackCountry.com.